anytime that I'm about to make a purchase about a, of something that was not planned, so any unplanned purchase during the week, my immediate thing is to just stop right there. And first I check it. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Any of those things, I immediately stop right there. Those things have to be resolved first before I can make this decision. And then after that, if, if all of those things are handled, I ask myself, what am I trying to accomplish with this purchase? Am I chasing an emotion? Am I chasing a functionality? And if so, do I have something else that I already own that can meet this need? Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. The following is a review from Catherine on the Apple podcast platform. It's entitled Immediate Validation. I was just diagnosed with ADHD, mostly inattentive type, today. I have struggled with figuring out my mental health since my second child, my son, was born nearly three years ago. I was diagnosed with PPD and anxiety, but it never quite fit the bill. I have pushed myself beyond what I thought I could handle to demand to be taken seriously by medical and mental health professionals. I can finally scream at the top of my lungs, I have ADHD. My entire life makes sense now, and I can't wait to start working on myself through the lens of someone with ADHD rather than trying to force myself to be neurotypical. Thank you so, so much for putting out this podcast. It has genuinely brought some peace back to my life to hear other women speak about their experiences with ADHD. Catherine, I 100% could have written this review word for word, but if you listen to this podcast, you already know that this was very much my experience. From the PPD and anxiety diagnoses to feeling like I wanted to shout this diagnosis from the rooftops. I am so glad you're finding peace and that you found this podcast and these interviews and that they have been helping you. Yay! And thank you so much for leaving me that review. This kind of feedback absolutely means the world to me, and it fills me with so much joy to know that sharing our stories and experiences are helping each other in such a profound way. And if you've been diagnosed with ADHD or think you have ADHD and you're looking for more support, resources, and a community of incredible kick-ass women like yourself, make sure to join us in the Women and ADHD online community. Head over to womenandadhd.com after this episode, and there's a link in the show notes. Okay, this is episode 61, in which I interview Samantha Absher. You may know Sam from her very popular TikTok account, WTF is a budget. Sam is a personal finance professional with a twist. She has borderline personality disorder and ADHD, and she also has degrees in finance and risk management. She has a quarter of a million followers on TikTok, where she uses her extensive knowledge and experience to help fellow neurodivergent people learn how to manage their money, save and get out of debt without the shame and judgment of traditional finance professionals. Sam and I talk about all the various difficulties adults with ADHD face when it comes to adulting and money management, and I come clean with some pretty awful financial practices I had in the past. Sam also describes her borderline personality disorder diagnosis and how it differs from some of the other common mood disorders often found in adults with ADHD. She also offers a shit ton of practical financial advice in a language we can understand. So if you have ever struggled with budgeting and money management, you definitely want to listen to this episode. Also, Sam has a very generous offer just for the women and ADHD community. She's offering us a 20% discount on her financial strategy session from now until the end of 2021. 
So simply head over to her website, wtfisabudget.com slash ADHD to book your discounted session. And I will put that link in the show notes as well. Okay, enjoy. Well, I am super excited to pick your brain uh, because like I said, I found your account. I think it was probably your the video that you that blew up the one about um, the school system and yes. wealth building. Yes. I think that's how I found you. And then, you know, just went through, I, I'm one of those people who like, I'm like, okay, let's scroll to the very beginning and see where it all started. <laughs> and I'm so sorry. I, you know, I'm a binger, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I, and no, but it's, I, I love it because it's like, you really get a sense of like, oh my God, I just kind of showed up and stumbled here and, and started an account and was, you know, innocently throwing stuff out there. And and then, you know, now here we are and it's just as amazing for me as it is for you. Like, I, I don't know. I just love those, love imagining, you know, all the, all the craziness of a TikTok trajectory. Yes, it is bonkers. Like I started with like random videos posted at 2 a.m. when I couldn't sleep. <laughs> and now it's, it, it is what it is. <laughs> well, and you started talking about some like serious traumatic stuff you know, right away, you were sort of initially started going down the path of talking about, um, like being in in an abusive relationship. Right. I mean, that was kind of, yeah, my very, some of the first videos, my very first video that went viral that just like, I was just like, what is happening? What is this? I was actually, um, I was homesick because I had a migraine. I have chronic migraine and, uh, was kind of recovering in bed. And I saw this girl had posted, um, just in tears And she said, if you're me, do wet this in six months. And she was like, have you left him? Are the kids happier? All that stuff. I was like, ma'am, I am you in 10 years. And um, yeah, it took off. She and actually like we're connected now. She direct messaged me and thanked me and all of that stuff. And um, she did leave. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I think oversharing... I don't even like the term oversharing because it feels like it's negative, but I, I think being an open book is something that is like one of my ADHD gifts because as, as awkward and, and time, there are times where I regret talking very openly about everything in my life. Um, you know, for the most part, I think it helps people so much more than it bothers me. Right. And, and we start conversations, uh, especially about mental health and about vulnerable situations. And it is one thing that I've always, people are always like, you're so brave for talking about this. And I was like, no, I have no choice. I just, yeah, well, it's 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 not a choice that I make. And my question is always like, am I brave or did I just stop caring what anyone (laughs) thinks? (laughs) Cause that really to me is like the key to a happy life. Yeah, maybe that is it. Just like the zero fucks given attitude. Uh, but, you know, I, I had never felt like I, I woke up one day and was like, this is who I'm going to be. I just sort of I stumbled through life. I stumbled through everything. Um, and I stumbled through finances, too, which I also want to pick your brain about because I yeah, love definitely. the fact I think you're the first ADHD money management TikTok account I've come upon. And I think it's so important and so fantastic. Um, But I knew this was going to happen. I knew I was going to hit the ground running with you and get all over the place. So I want to just kind of bring us back and talk about uh, your ADHD diagnosis, because it was, it was quite a while ago, right? Um, And kind of what were some of the, what were some of the things that were happening in your life that made you first sort of think you even had ADHD? 
So, um, as the, in the, the first viral TikTok talked about me going to college as a single mom. And, um, basically that's when I was diagnosed. I had left my ex. I was, when I left him, I was, um, single mom of two pregnant with a third. Um, so about six months pregnant, um, after, and during that time when I was in school, I always attributed my not being able to retain things, um, to just pregnancy brain, right. Just, you know, the hormones, all of that stuff. Um, but then after that, even I realized how bad it was. Cause I am a very theoretical person. I can read and just like, I love information. Um, but I noticed, especially when it came to reading, just, I would read an entire page and had, would not have retained a single thing, but it went beyond that. Cause I know that can be common with a lot of people. It was to the point where it would take me an hour or longer to read a single page. And I would just be in tears because I was completely exhausted. Um, and you know, before kids, it hadn't impacted me that much. I was like, I'll just keep reading this page. Not a big deal. This is everybody. Right. Um, but I saw people around me not struggling like that. Um, so at the time I was seeing a therapist to help me through my divorce. And that's when she said, I'm going to refer you to somebody because, I think um, there could be ADHD here um, as well as, because I also have borderline personality disorder. Um, she said, you know, I could, there could be some ADHD crossover here. Um, so I went and um, I actually see this specialist now who specializes in ADHD and they do all this like crazy high tech testing for someone with ADHD. It is monotonous and terrible. <laughs> um <laughs> Because like you have to like click on you're in this room with no distractions and everything. It's awful. Um, but I was diagnosed, um, put on medication, and it really helped me get through school. Um, and I've continued with um, medication, mindfulness, all of those things. But it it made a huge difference. It was like having a window open where before the diagnosis, I really thought I was just lazy. I had been labeled as lazy and underachieving my entire life and disorganized. That was just who I was. So getting that diagnosis was, was life-changing for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just diagnosed at 45, um, um, last year. And so it's still like, I feel like my, you know, I just go through everything in my entire life. You know, I'm just like, um, you know, just turning over some rocks here, left and right, just being like, yes. Oh my God, that's ADHD. Oh my God, that's ADHD. Like, it just feels like, so many seemingly random struggles in my life from middle school to university to parenting and motherhood and newborns and, you know, yes. just budgeting money, you know, like all of those things that all I'm like, Oh my God, it's all coming together. Like it, it's such an yeah. overwhelming uh, diagnosis for so many of us in adulthood. Right. Yeah. I thought I was just incompetent because I couldn't like the money would be in the bank to pay the electric bill. And yet I would come home to no lights. <laughs> and I thought it was just because I was lazy or because I was disorganized. And it's like, no, actually my brain just is not set up to operate the way many others do and the, the way that society demands it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, uh, yeah. I lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, I wanted <laughs> to go back to <laughs> welcome to an ADHD podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> So now this was 16 years ago, right? The, around that, is that correct? Okay. Yes. So, um, yeah, because my oldest is 16. Yes. Okay. And so let's talk about borderline personality disorder for a bit because it's not something I've actually talked much about on this podcast. We talk a lot about bipolar because I mm -hmm. certainly thought I had bipolar before my diagnosis. I know a lot of women did. 
uh, or do, you know, sort of feel that pendulum swing of manic energy and, and lethargy and depression. Uh, and actually, I, I think in my early episodes, I actually refer to bipolar disorder as BPD because I didn't know that there was, a, I didn't even know that that was the wrong acronym. Mm-hmm. So I apologize to anyone who was listening to earlier episodes. Uh, but I'm curious now, like, you know, what is the overlap there? Because I feel like it is something that's quite common among people, among um, adults with ADHD. And, um, you know, how do you even discern which is which? Sure. First, I want to go back and correct something. Let's start with what it is. Yeah, sure. First, if you don't mind, I want to go back and correct something I just said. Otherwise, it's going to eat my brain. Um, My my youngest is 16, not my oldest. My oldest is 20. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I think that's what I heard you say anyway, because I... Right? <laughs> okay. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, so yeah, there is quite a bit of overlap as far as just um, being a little bit scatterbrained, right? Um, BPD people are kind of known for being scatterbrained. I would say the biggest difference is um, the the abandonment component. So the way I understand it and the way my therapists have spoken to me about um, borderline personality disorder is it comes from a very deep, deep fear of abandonment. And we often act out um, in order to avoid abandonment. And the way that kind of crosses over into ADHD sometimes is um, grasping at hobbies, right? Just to feel some kind of belonging to a group or um, spending money erratically, um, that's, you know, ADHD, bipolar and BPD all have that just, um, looking for that dopamine hit, right. And looking to, um, to feel a certain way about yourself so that you will be more appealing to other people, if that makes sense. Um, those are the biggest overlaps that I've seen. Um, and, and some of the differences there. Um, I would say for me personally, the biggest difference is emotional regulation. Uh, borderline personality disorder, I think, is a very scary term. Um, people hear that word and they automatically like go to like civil, right? Of like you've got like the split personality situation, and that's not the case. Um, it's more of an emotional dysregulation. So it has a lot more to do with your emotions, and a lot of times those emotions are so intense as a reaction to perceived rejection or abandonment. Um, of course, ADHD also has that rejection since the dysphoria. So that's another place that kind of overlaps a little bit. I know it is, um, it is amazing to kind of parse out all the different types of traits and kind of where we fall in terms of what, you know, it's almost like whack-a-mole, you know, like depending yes. on what our history was and what sort of traumatic history we have and what kind of accommodations we had and what privileges we had, you know, so many mm-hmm. of us come to adulthood and it's like, oh, you've got this, you've got this, you've got this. Oh, I don't have that. That's funny. That's weird. Why don't I have that? Um, <laughs> um, you know, and so with like with abandonment, I mean, I, I feel like I talk about this a lot. Uh, I have talked about this in other episodes. Like I have been with the same partner. I've been with my husband for 18 years. We've been together 20 years. And I spend an inordinate amount of time fearful, you know, worrying about when he dies and how, you know, the, I think that there's like a common theme in, in among a lot of people with ADHD where like we don't feel like we're adults, you know? Right. And a lot of that comes from because we're terrible with money and because we're impulsive and because we have, you know, we can't keep jobs. A lot of us can't hold jobs for more than two years before we explode or, you know, so, so we always, Mm -hmm. there's so much financial insecurity. Right. And so I'm always like 
asking him over and over again, just being like, okay, so let's go. Like, I feel like we go through the game plan and he, you know, it's almost like, I think he's sort of worked. He's like, you fantasize about me dying, don't you? And I'm like, no, I am just <laughs> that terrified. But like, what are we going to do? And then I forget. And then I have to go over it again. Cause I'm like, you know, where's this, where's this paperwork? I don't know where any, you know, like I, I, mm-hmm. I spiral a lot of the time, but that's not the same type of fear of abandonment. Right. Yeah, I think I think there's like two different things where you're talking about fear of the unknown and fear of instability, right. which is definitely yeah. um, true for for both disorders. Um, for fear of abandonment, it's more like, um, for example, um, and I think I may have posted this on my TikTok at some point. Um, my partner is a terrible texture. We live two hours apart, and he is just—he's gotten so much better. The poor guy—he has worked so hard. Like this man. Um, it still has like an iPhone six. Okay. Just like to give you some perspective, (laughs) Um, like he just does not get on his phone. He'd rather be out in the woods. Um, but I would often get in my head and spiral if he didn't get back to me immediately with a text. Um, Oh, let an hour pass. Clearly he's done with me and I'm, you know, just completely catastrophizing in my head. Okay. What next? What do I need to do to take care of myself now that this person is not my life anymore? And I have to deal with the fallout because he didn't text me back for like two hours. (laughs) Like it goes to that extreme. Um, and thankfully I have, I do a type of therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy, um, where we kind of go through, um, different skills. They're literally called DBT skills. Um, so different skills to use for those kind of situations where you get into those spiraling thoughts. Um, but my fear of abandonment, I think comes from a few things. It comes from, and where I think the ADHD crossover is as children, we're, we're kind of weirdos, right? And we don't always fit in with the crowd. Like I said, we, we never feel really mature. We never feel like the other kids. So there's that kind of rejection. Um, and then also I was raised in a religion that practices shunning. So I was threatened my entire life with like losing everyone that I knew and loved. So I have that abandonment on top of it, which kind of throws that BPD into it. <laughs> it's a right. fun time in my I brain. about that. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I know. Right. I have that same issue. I was just talking about this, I think with the episode that came out this week on about, Mm -hmm. you know, my best friend who, the reason why we are best friends is because we can go months and months and months without talking and then, you know, text each other and be like, oh yeah, let's catch up and we'll talk for two hours over zoom or something. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, we can go for long periods of time because we forget about the other person. Um, but I texted her recently and didn't hear back from her. And I had, I had that spiral where I was like, what did I do? What did I do now? She hates me. So what did I do? And I think, and I thought it was interesting because now, you know, with this new, you know, with my diagnosis, I now have like almost like a sports commentator that follows me around wherever I go when I'm like, oh, this is, you're now spiraling into rage right now, you know, or I'm like, this is, (laughs) this is RSD as you experience it. Right. So, So I was like, what did I do? And then I was thinking like, there is that sense of like always feeling like you don't trust yourself in a lot of situations, mm-hmm. right? There are ways in which you don't trust relationships with other people because you don't read social cues very well. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. so that feeling of like, I've obviously have said or done something to dis- to disappoint her or offend her. And I don't know what that is. 
oh, well, I guess this 20 year relationship is now over. (laughs) Yes, exactly. There was that sense of sort of like, oh, crap, it's all my fault. As opposed to, you know, she was when she did text me, she was like, no, I was like busy (laughs) and I forgot because that's what we do. So I find it so ironic that we not only forget to text each other and we have the object permanence element of, you know, feeling like we're terrible friends because we forget about other people. But yet when the table is turned, we, um, you know, have all of the negative ideations that come with the rejection of, yeah, anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. It's, it's, it goes, you know, we're, like you said, we're so bad about texting people back, but let somebody not text us back. It is the end of the world. We are done. I am in a cocoon with a blanket watching Netflix and eating a, a pint of ice cream and just like mourning the loss of my friend when in fact nothing has happened. <laughs> that's um, I know. That's where those DBT skills come in. So whenever I do start spiraling like that, the first thing I do is fact check. Um, so for example, with my partner, if he doesn't get back to me in a couple of hours and my brain starts going, he's with somebody else. He doesn't love you anymore. He's done with you. Um, I have to go, wait, wait, stop. First of all, it's just like, stop right here. I always check, am I hungry or tired? Because those physical needs right there will mess with your head so much. And then next step is to go, okay, let's fact check. Has he said anything recently to indicate that he's done with this relationship? No, like just yesterday, he said how much he loves me. So why am I going down this rabbit hole? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know that, and I have used DBT and I've, I've done a quite a lot of DBT therapy before, even before my diagnosis, uh, just dealing with childhood trauma and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that idea, the, just the concept that your thoughts cannot be trusted is something that has stayed with me for so much of my life. And I use it so much and, and with my children too. And I use it a lot with, um, health coaching too, right. With just that idea of like, mm-hmm. you're, you have intuitive Uh, wisdom centers, you know, your gut and your Mm -hmm. heart are your intuitive wisdom centers and they can be trusted. (laughs) Your brain cannot be trusted (laughs) because your brain is filled with all of the messages it's been given from outside sources throughout your entire life. It doesn't have a very good filter. Yeah. And your brain is just like, it's just like, yeah, it's just like all ego and all those external messages. And yeah, like you said, you've got to trust how your body feels sometimes. I'd like to take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I am a big proponent of therapy. Therapy provides me the best opportunity for verbal processing, something that is so important for my kind of brain and my sense of self. What I love about BetterHelp is that it's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it is professional therapy that's done securely online from the comfort of your home. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and it's available for clients worldwide, so you get access to a broad range of expertise that might not be available to you locally. It also tends to be more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference health with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash women ADHD. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash women ADHD. And there's a link in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. So let's talk about um, money because it's such a huge issue. And I feel like I have so many questions because it's something that I 
um, I had, had a terrible, uh, relationship with money growing up. And I remember mm-hmm. like, um, getting my first job after I graduated from university. And I just thought this job is going to pay me a living wage and a living wage is going to be enough for me to afford rent and a car and cable and a cell phone. And like, that it'll all just work out. Right. Like that's just what adulthood is. I never, I never learned how that I needed to keep track. And so I didn't keep track. And then I just, Oh, and the other thing was my mother said to me when I turned 18, get lots of credit cards because that'll help you develop a good credit score. And so I did the <laughs> diligent thing, which was I got lots of credit cards and then I used them because I realized I was, couldn't, you know, I had no money after I paid it's all like, of my bills. Yeah. And it's like free money, right? It doesn't come out of your checking <laughs> account. Like you don't even see yeah. it. <laughs> um, exactly. I didn't like it just now looking back at it, you know, 20 years ago, just being like, I ask, often ask myself, what were you thinking? And the answer is I wasn't like, I, I think that there is a way in which, and I don't know if this is ADHD or if this is just being in your twenties, but like, I think there was a, there's, I feel like there's so many things in my life where I just like never stopped to really deconstruct in a way that meant something. Mm -hmm. And, and so um, I just kept racking up debt and I wasn't paying off my credit, the minimum payments on my credit cards. This was up in Toronto in Canada. And I had all, you know, I had all of this, the, the credit card companies were actually starting to come after me. Mm-hmm. So I decided to move to the U S <laughs> and ignore the credit card companies in Canada. And so I moved to, to New York and I was, um, just started dating my now husband. And like, he was over at my apartment one day, this was like our second date. I can't, I still to this day cannot believe he didn't run for the Hills. Um, but he was there and my phone was ringing and I, he was talking to me and I was like, Oh, excuse me, hold on one moment. And I picked up the receiver and, and then hung it back down again to stop the ringing. And he was like, <laughs> what was that about? And I was like, Oh, nothing. nothing. It's just the lawyers from Canada calling me about my credit card debt. And then I oh burst into tears. I burst into tears. Cause it was, you know, they had credit uh, debt collectors were, were, had tracked me down and, um, I burst into tears and I was like, I don't know what to do. Please help me. So again, like why he didn't run out the door that moment, I'll never know, but he stayed with me and he was like, let's get you a debt. You know, we'll get you a credit counselor. We'll figure this out. And he basically took over my finances and, and has, I mean, I think a lot of my, you know, crippling fear about him leaving me has to Mm -hmm. do with the fact that he, took over everything and, and really helped me get out of that crisis. And, and really like, he basically put me on a cash allowance and I lived Mm -hmm. on a cash allowance for 20 years until the pandemic when we stopped like using cash, but he basically put me on this cash allowance and was sort of like, you know, it'll, it'll be a lot easier for you if you, you know, I think he realized in his own way that I had no sense of, uh, prioritizing when it came to, to spending. Um, yeah. you know, I just buy things, uh, without thinking about whether they're necessary or not, but mm-hmm. when I run out of money, then I make do and I'm like, Oh, well, then I, I won't buy the impulsive target purchase. Cause I ran out of money for the week. Right. And so he <laughs> kind of was like, Oh, you know, what'll work for you if you just get $200 worth of cash and that's just your money for the week. And when it runs out, it runs out. And I was like, you're right. That is kind of brilliant. And it's like the system that has been working for me for so long. And it's kind of infantilizing and really not helping me budget, but 
it, it's what helped me. And, and yeah, I I, and you, like everyone's doing the best they can. Right. And so you, you have done the best you could and that system works. The only thing I counsel, especially women on whenever I'm talking to them who are in that situation, because that's what works for them. And I'm always about with my clients working with them where they are. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of women do, they just kind of hand things over because it's, it's, it's very overwhelming. And I completely understand that. Um, so what I do recommend is having an oh shit binder where it has all of the account information, all of the passwords, um, where life insurance policies are, where wills are, where any medical directives are, you know, passwords to the electric bill and just a list of bills that have to be paid every month um, just so that if something happens to them, that then the, the, the other person in the relationship can come forward and say, okay, I've got this notebook. I know what needs to be paid. I know what the accounts are. I know exactly what's going on. And just to kind of review that with your partner, like once a month, like you said, you know, you kind of go after your husband, like, what's the plan? Because of that panic of, you know, what if something happens and having that binder is fantastic for that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think having my diagnosis has helped me in in so many ways, just understand what is happening here, right? So mm-hmm. it was like realizing that, you know, okay, so in your 20s, you just didn't think about it, but that's not going to work for you. So I actually mm-hmm. am very good at budgeting now. You know, it's just a spreadsheet, but like I'm mm-hmm. very, very diligent about it because I really like accounting. It was, that was the other thing that was very ironic for me was the fact that like my mother was an accountant and I loved accounting in school. It was, mm-hmm. you know, I loved math I did too. Yeah. Right. And then, so I thought it was always strange that I couldn't actually budget in real life. And so I think a lot of the stuff that you talk about, about variable spending too, is really mm-hmm. fascinating to me because I think that was another thing that I didn't take the time to, um, you know, break down. And I think that that's something that's really important for our brains is like, it's so easy when something becomes overwhelming to just be like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to think about that right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to move on. Um, I'm just going to make do with what is working now. And then next thing you know, you know, you open the closet door and everything falls out. Exactly. (laughs) I haven't been dealing with it. Right. Because the fact is that it's probably not working. And yet I do the, this kind of chaos budgeting method where there are just those really those two main categories of your fixed and your variable. And it's almost like putting yourself on a cash allowance, right? Of, you know, you have this number of dollars every week to spend to meet your needs outside of things like, you know, mortgage, rent, um, you know, insurance, all of that stuff. You have this little budget set aside and that is for your food, your gas, entertainment, random Target and Amazon purchases. And the thing I find working with clients is often the first few weeks, they will go over. And I always say, you know, don't beat yourself up. It's designed this way. You are, you're kind of supposed to go over the first few times so that you learn exactly where your money is going. And it's kind of a trial by fire situation. The best example I can give is when my son was two years old, my youngest is two years old. He jumped off of a, of a bunk bed and he broke his leg. Guess who never jumped off of a bunk bed ever again? So (laughs) all it takes is one or two times of blowing through that budget and realizing, oh shit, I still have to feed myself. I have no money left for it. You do that once or twice and you get the hang of it, right? It starts to click in your brain of, I really want to go to Target, but wait, I need to make sure I have food in the refrigerator first. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny because a lot of the times speeding will be listed as something that people with ADHD have an issue with. And I was always like, I don't have a problem with speeding because when I was 18, I got a $350 speeding ticket (laughs) and that cured me of my speeding ticket. That and and cruise control have cured me of my desire to ever speed again because it was exactly bunk bed. Yeah, just that really, really huge moment in your life where you're like, I never want this to happen again. Yeah, it's that whole like emotional connection to outcomes, right? Of being really emotionally connected to the outcome you either want or don't want. Oh, okay. I know I've heard you talk about that in your videos, um, but I didn't really make that connection as to what it actually was. When you talk about emotional connections, I couldn't really Mm -hmm. like figure out, um, you know, in, in, in what's the word I'm looking for in the real world, you know, I couldn't think yes. of, a, of a real world version of that, um, for myself. So, oh, that's really interesting. Okay. Oh, all right. I'm going to have to think about that. Um, okay. So let's go back to just the characteristics of ADHD and, and why are people with ADHD so bad with money and, you know, what are, what are we dealing with? We talked a little bit about it. I think it's it's a combination of things, but I think the the primary thing there's two. There's very short term thinking. There's the here and now, and there's dopamine chasing. And for example, um, you know, if you see this beautiful shiny pair of shoes on some stunning woman, um, you're like, man, she looks like she has her shit together. I would like to look like I have my shit together. And if I get those shoes, I will feel like I have my shit together. So it's this thinking about the here and now and also thinking about the dopamine that that purchase is going to give you. And so that's what we do. We chase things like that. And it isn't even always stuff for us. Um, My ex-brother-in-law was the world's worst for buying gifts for other people because that's where he got his dopamine from was just you know, he'd spend all of his money on like taking a friend out to dinner or, you know, getting a present for somebody. And then he didn't have money for rent. My father is like that. He will go, if you, uh, we always say, don't tell him you like something because yeah. if you, if you mention that you like something, he will show up the next time he sees you with like a lifetime supply of it that he bought for you because he went to Costco. He has a Costco yes. issue, uh, a problem. And, you know, and so he will, he will justify his spending by spending, by um, spending it on his kids. And so we're always yep. like, don't tell him, don't tell him you like it. You're going to regret it forever. Yes. And that's a huge way that people justify their spending, right? Well, I'm doing it for somebody else. So it doesn't count. Right. So and then, then you get forgets- the nice, the, the hit, the dopamine hit for sure. Yes. I, I feel like there's a sense of, um, you know, I talked about this a little bit before I have a really hard time prioritizing what is urgent Mm -hmm. and what is, can go in the cart, you know? So that's sort of how I've learned to live with Amazon type websites, which is like, I'm not allowed to buy things at the moment they occur to me. I'm Mm -hmm. allowed, (laughs) I'm allowed to put them in my cart the moment they occur to me, but then I have like a weak buffer where it has to sit there. You know, the buy now button is like the word is villainous. It should be illegal. That thing Uh, is the actual worst. Oh my goodness. I can't even tell you because for a long time, if it was like under 20 bucks, I had no problem hitting that buy now button. None. Yeah, I know. Right. Absolutely. I think it is, um, you know, it, it, it is really like it's criminal um, because I think it really preys upon that, that impulsive 
nature, which oh, I yes. think a lot of us have. I think I don't think it's just ADHD. Obviously, many of us have an issue with with the impulsivity of online shopping, especially <laughs> since the pandemic. Oh yes, um, but I do think that the impulsivity there's more there. It's not just impulsivity. I think there is a real sense of like an inability to decipher between what is important right now. Like you said, the here or the now, like things, everything feels urgent, everything feels important. And it really takes mm-hmm. like a lot of extra steps to, to stop yourself and say, you know what, maybe I don't need this immediately right now. And I feel like I have to talk myself through that a lot. Yes. Yeah. And it's really important that we talk ourselves through it. Anytime that I'm about to make a purchase about of something that was not planned. So any unplanned purchase during the week, my immediate thing is to just stop right there. And first I check it. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Any of those things, I immediately stop right there. Um, those things have to be resolved first before I can make this decision. And then after that, if if all of those things are handled, I ask myself, what am I trying to accomplish with this purchase? Am I chasing an emotion? Am I chasing a functionality? And if so, do I have something else that I already own that can meet this need? Oh, I like that. Because often we forget we already have it, right? How many times has that happened? Where, where I've gone to the store and bought the thing and come home and realized I already had the thing. Uh, yes. I just totally forgot that I bought it. Yeah. Right. Or something else that can function the same way. I posted a blog post about emotional sending recently where I talked about that, where I had a coworker who had this amazing pair of Nike Air Maxes. And it wasn't the Nikes, but she was wearing them with, um, hi, Lauren, if you hear this. Um, but she was wearing it with these like cute jeans and just a black t-shirt, messy bun, amazing earrings. Like it was this whole, I woke up like this and I look amazing, don't you wish you were me vibe. And I was like, I want that. And to get that, I'm gonna need those shoes. Those $120 tennis shoes, right? And so my process was to just stop and say, what am I trying to chase? I'm trying to chase this, this look, right? That's the feeling that I want. What else do I have that can make this happen? Well, I already have the jeans. I have black t-shirts, all of that jazz. And actually I do have a pair of shoes that will accomplish the same thing. So I can do that. Did it take care, take, take away the desire for the shoes? No, it did not. I still want the freaking shoes, but now I don't need them right now. And I can make a plan. And actually, by the time I put away the money for them, I didn't want them anymore. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids six through 18. With GoHenry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their GoHenry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. When I was diagnosed with ADHD, it completely turned my world upside down. 
I looked back at so much of my life, my grades in school, my multiple careers and hobbies, my friendships, my marriage, motherhood, my relationship with food and my body, like all of this with a new lens and it was overwhelming to say the least. If you've been diagnosed with ADHD and you're feeling blown away by this new insight into your brain and how it operates, I totally understand. I can help you begin to sort through this chaos, explore who you are and how your brain operates so you can finally start to lean into your strengths and begin to use them to your advantage moving forward. Together, we can work to identify what obstacles you've been facing and create strategies to help you start living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. Head over to womeninadhd.com coaching to book a 30-minute initial consult with me so we can figure out if my brand of one-on-one -on -one coaching is right for you. Again, that's womeninadhd.com coaching, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. So, okay. So, um, let me, where I'm just looking through my notes. Cause I have so many notes that are like illegible right now. Okay. So let's <laughs> go back and talk about, I just like make all these point four notes when I was watching your videos that I wanted to come circle back to. And now I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Um, <laughs> chaos budgeting we talked about, right? So chaos budgeting, yes. just to, in case somebody wasn't figuring out what that was, it's the three mm -hmm. types of spending that, you know, you, you had this wonderful video where you were talking about like budgeting can be really difficult for so many of us because there's just so many categories, right? Like I yes. downloaded Quicken because once a year I get really upset about the fact that I can't budget. And so I, I do something like I buy Quicken, which yes. is, you know, an impulsive purchase, which then makes me angry because I'm like, I can't be trusted with money because I'm always falling for these schemes. Um, right. <laughs> but you know, I buy Quicken and then I go through and I try to hyper-focus and organize everything into all of these different categories. And like, it's really great and all color-coded and super, you know, you get the OCD in me comes out where I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm going to get, I'm going to master all of this. And, and then it becomes too much and I become overwhelmed and then I don't do anything. So yeah. I really loved the, your video about your, the idea of just like breaking it up into the three categories, which yep. is the, the savings fixed and variable. Right. Okay. So fixed spending is like the auto, you know, the auto payments that come out of our bank mm -hmm. account every month that are always going to be there. And thankfully auto payments exist because yes. it's like, that is the greatest invention for the ADHD brain ever. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's the fixed spending and then our savings. So now we have like you know, other than 401k and a 529, those are really the only regular savings we're doing right now. Do you feel so like there you, should be a, an additional yes. one for your, what did you call the, oh, should I, oh, should I forgot about that? <laughs> oh, should I forgot about that? <laughs> so there is, there's two and sorry, I swear a lot. Um, there's the, oh, should I forgot about that? <laughs> Perfect. So yeah, there's, oh, should I forgot about that? And then there's your fuck off fund. So the right, ocean okay. I forgot about that is that I just used it because I had the subscription box, the cause box. And I felt really good about it because like they only work with like women and minority owned businesses. And it's just more stuff in my house, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I forgot to cancel it. So and it only renews annually. So that just hit my account. So that came out of my oh shit, I forgot about that account. And immediately I went and canceled it. Um, things like, uh, my, my, um, car tax tag title, st tax and tag, um, that kind of stuff that comes up like once a year that you just, 
forget about. And then there is your fuck off fund. The fuck off fund is three to six months of your living expenses in an account so that you can get out of a bad job, bad living situation or bad relationship should you need to. All right. So that's, that should be my, holy crap. My husband might die in a car accident tomorrow fund. as Yes. Well, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cause it's that, that like, that like ideally six months of living expenses. Um, but you yeah. know, three is a great starting point. And my, oh shit, I forgot about that fund. I usually keep about a thousand in there. It's enough that if something comes up, I can pull from that account and it keeps me from reaching for a credit card. That's what I was just going to say. Why is it so much more important to have that sitting there than you, you know, what we would normally, we would tend to use a credit card. Like, you know, when my mm-hmm. boiler dies and I suddenly have an $8,000 charge, that's what my credit card is for. But you're saying that's, that can be a slippery slope. It can be, um, you know, for something bigger like that. Um, I love just grabbing a zero interest card for that. If you if your credit score is in a place where you can do that, or a lot of times, you know, like Lowe's or Home Depot will have an intro 0%. That's great for those big things. Um, but yeah, definitely you want to avoid using the credit card for emergency situations that could be, that could otherwise come from that, oh shit, I forgot about that fund. Because once we start leaning on that credit card, it just becomes too easy to whip it out every single time. And and too easy to ignore it, which I think was mm-hmm. my issue and why I learned my lesson, thankfully learned my lesson a long time ago. And much like my speeding ticket, I don't have credit cards anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, we have a credit card, um, but I don't, like, I don't spend it, you know, I don't use it to spend at like Target or places where I tend to walk in wanting one thing and, you know, or Costco, Costco's the worst. It's like, I go yes. into Costco for one thing and I leave with literally $300 worth of track pants. Yes. <laughs> so my, um, my, my, um, sort of kryptonite is Lidl because if I oh, go into a, a Lidl, so no, Lidl is, Southern store. it's like an Aldi. Oh, okay. We have yeah, Aldi's. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like Aldi, but bigger. So it's a, I believe it's a German based company and they just started opening actually. Yes. In the Southeast and Lidl, like you can get amazing fresh baked bread and a table saw like, <laughs> and camping gear and track pants and like all of the things. And it's so easy to just pick up random things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Um, yeah. Those places are, those places are very dangerous for me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so then you have, you also have a free variable spend tracker that you created and are offering to, um, yeah, through your website. What is, what is that doing and how is that going to help people who are terrible at tracking money? So the way it works is, um, basically it tells you it's, you're just tracking your variable spend as one giant category. So going back to the whole, like, um, like downloading a Quicken or you need a budget or one of those, those are great for neurotypical people. Um, because you know, they break down everything for every single week. My brain cannot handle that. I cannot handle only spending, you know, X amount on groceries and X amount on dining out. What if I don't want to dine out that week and I want to spend more on groceries? Then I have to change my budget so that things don't turn red because then it means I've done something wrong, you know? Um, so the the variable spend tracker, I actually set it up so that you can set yourself a weekly variable budget. You download, it's a Google form that you download to your phone as an icon. And every time you spend money, you just open it up 
and type it in. And to me, it does two things. One, it takes the stress out of having to, okay, is is this target spend where I got groceries and I got toilet paper, where do I categorize that, right? It just goes in variable spend. It's one category. The second thing is, is it brings mindfulness back into the equation. So if I am picking something up and I immediately know I'm going to have to put this in my tracker, where is it going and why am I getting it? then it makes me kind of rethink, you know, do I actually need it? And am I going to go over budget with this? Because another problem that us ADHDers have is when we downloading, like download like a Quicket or you need a budget, one of those, um, it becomes out of sight, out of mind. We might sign back in and check that thing once a month, but by then the money's gone. It's too late. I, I really like the fact that you, um, bring into the conversation like the the cost isn't always the same for everybody right so like mm-hmm. some of those videos like the you know the cost uh, like the cost of water bottles is you know one person might think it's ridiculous but right. when we are talking about the convenience element and the mental health element that cost mm-hmm. can be very different for different people right and so i think there's like a lot of us with ADHD have a lot of shame around like the extra taxes that come with convenience foods. Right. But we also Mm -hmm. know that if I don't buy the convenience food and I, and I go to the grocery store and only buy fresh vegetables and, 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 you know, tell myself that I'm going to make all of these meals and then I get home and then they rot, that's money lost. So like, how do I even begin to kind of calculate the, how the fact that the cost is not always as it seems right in the moment you know what I mean that there is always other hidden costs there and so really like when you can think about it in those terms then you're like yeah go for the convenience foods go for the like Mm prepackaged stuff yes it's unfortunate you know you don't always want to do that but you also if it's the only way you're going to get a healthy meal exactly um, and not go for takeout or you know like yeah it feels like there's so much shame around some of these choices that we make in our lives yeah, that's why I really don't like a lot of the traditional um, budgeting and finance people. And even there, there are even some, you know, still on TikTok, like one guy was shaming people for buying bottled water. I'm like, look, if that is how you can stay hydrated, then you go buy that bottled water. If and I actually just had a client I met with yesterday who does one of the dinner, deli- like the box meal delivery services, those aren't cheap. Yeah. But she said, this is how I get a healthy meal in me once a day. Perfect. It stays in the budget. We will figure out something else, but that is important to you. That is your mental health. It is your physical health. And that is the priority because without that, why are we doing any of this? Yeah. Yeah. That's something I struggled with a lot was the meal kits. Cause I, I go back and forth. Some, you know, I'll order mm-hmm. them for a couple months and then I'm just like too much packaging. So expensive, so ridiculous. I'm going to do this on my own. And then I, you know, for three months, I'm like, I can't do it on my own. And then, <laughs> and then I yeah. go back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it, again, it is like, you're always sort of grappling with like, what are the hidden expenses uh, mm-hmm. of various life choices? So I love that you kind of bring that into the conversation. I think it's so important. Um, I so appreciate it. So. Oh, sure. I want to take a minute to let you know about the new women and ADHD online community. One thing I hear time and time again from listeners of this podcast is wow. These interviews make me feel so much less alone. 
And I totally agree. I believe finding our people and sharing our lived experiences is such an integral part of successfully managing our ADHD. So I've put together this online community for listeners of the podcast where we can come together in a safe, intimate environment and make friends and obsessively ponder our neurodivergent brains with other brilliant, like-minded women. And we never have to apologize for simply being ourselves. With your membership, you also have access to all sorts of exclusive content like early access to this podcast, written transcripts of the episodes, and a free copy of my audiobook, Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom. You also have the option to upgrade at any time in order to participate in regular body doubling sessions and live member hangouts on Zoom with me and other members where we discuss life with our ADHD brains. So head over to womenandadhd.com to join us or find the link in the show notes. All right. I hope to see you there soon. Um, so before I, we talk about the, uh, the service the services that you're offering for, mm-hmm. um, clients, I do like to ask all of my guests, if you could rename ADHD to something else, would you call it something else? I would call it my butt first syndrome. <laughs> Like, oh my God, I love it. Like I'm going to do the dishes, but first I need to take out the trash. I'm going to take the out the trash, but first I see a towel over there that needs to be dealt with. And next thing you know, it's been like three hours and you've literally just been chasing yourself in circles and there's still dishes in the sink. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, can we call it, but with two T's just to confuse people a little bit. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank yes. you. I have your permission. <laughs> I will, we'll have to come up with a good acronym for, for what B-U-T-T could mean. Um, I'll, I'll think about that. Get back to you on that one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's just something I, I like to ask because I just feel like I personally, um, you know, I thought I had bipolar. I did not think mm-hmm. I had ADHD. I didn't relate to it. I thought it was something for little boys and yep. there was so much stigma. So, you know, I've part of these conversations that I have is, is not only realizing, you know, not only showing what ADHD looks like in adult women, but also, you know, when you listen to our conversations, you're like, oh yeah, you are hyperactive. You just didn't realize it because we're all over the place. We're like moving around and doing all like, you know, realizing that, yeah, the H really should still be there. I get it now. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but my hyperactivity looks like impulsive shopping and it looks like inability to prioritize and it looks like the impatience and speeding and driving and all of those things. Right. And like for me, my hyperactivity is contained to like a one foot space around me in that space. I'm going to be fidgety. And I didn't even realize it, that I was like a fidgety person. The test that I most recently took, I went to an ADHD specialist and they sit you in front of this computer and you're taking this test, but they put this reflective device on your forehead, like a headband, right? And there is a camera watching it. And it's not like a camera camera. It's just looking for reflections from the disc. And you're in this room, the small room with no distractions, but like it shows, um, basically it shows how you move right on a graph. And they put me like the control is like this little tiny dark blob in the center of this like X, Y axis. And me, like my doctor put it in front of me and she kind of smiled and she was like, and this is you, what happened here? And I was like, (laughs) Oh, I saw, I was in the middle of the test, but I saw this black cord and I wanted to know where it went. (laughs) So um, yeah. <laughs> I remember doing something like that at a science center once where they were tracking eye movement and just being like, oh yeah, 
Yeah, it's all over the place. I couldn't help myself because it was like I couldn't even stay on the picture I was supposed to be looking at because there was so much other stuff around. Um, yeah, that's funny. Uh, okay, so now you, wait, where is this blog that you're talking about? Because I know that you have the uh, what the fuck is a budget.com, which is mm-hmm. where, which is what I will link to in addition to your TikTok account, um, because I know that's where people can sign up for your newsletter and get your variable spending tracker. Um, but yes. what is this blog? And- so the blog, it actually only comes out in my newsletter because oh, okay. let's be honest, I have ADHD. I don't, I don't post consistently enough to like <laughs> make it a thing. Right. So as of right now, it just comes out in my newsletter. So if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get my latest blog post. And I send out my newsletter about once every two weeks. Okay. All right, cool. All right. Well, I will do that then. Um, and then, um, were you coaching clients before TikTok? Was this something you were doing, yes. you've been doing for a long time and you just kind of brought this into um, the medium or was it something that it just sort of the financial advice blew up and and now this is a, now this is your life? So, yeah, it's a little column A, little column B. So basically, um, yes, I was helping out mostly just family and friends um, and they were, they would basically force me to take money from them for it. <laughs> So I had to set up like a payment structure and a pricing structure and all of that stuff. So I'd been doing it, but I hadn't really publicized it that much. Um, Then I had all of these people that were reaching out to me and they really wanted help. So I do work long-term with clients like on a monthly basis, but that is a more high ticket price that is not always within reach of somebody that's just starting out. So for those that are just starting out, I just launched another product of a one hour like one-on-one strategy call, or actually it's about 50 minutes. So there's like 50 minute one-on-one strategy call where we can like dive into things. And what I love to do, my real passion is helping people set their goals because a lot of people, they just know that they, they know that they want to get it under control, but they have no idea why. And until you get like a really emotional connection with that reason you want to get things under control, then it, it can be harder. So that's my favorite thing to do in those calls is set up that why, and then just set up, just like go through the debt, go through the spending and help them just get their brain around it. So that's actually one of my favorite things to do with people. Yeah. And I think definitely something that I certainly struggle with a lot and something that my neurotypical husband is always coming back to, which is the like, well, we'll just keep spending till we run out of money. And then he's like, but then you'll never have the money you want for the thing that comes along yeah. that you really, really want. And I'm like, but mm-hmm. I really, really want everything. <laughs> you know? All the time. And so, <laughs> right. And and so I find it very difficult to really think, like to stop and be like, okay, do I want to travel? You know, like where, mm-hmm. what are these priorities on my list? Do I, would I rather have a trip to Japan or yes. a, a, re, a refurbished attic, you know, cause he's like, yes. you get one or the other. And I'm like, but I want them both. Um, so he's <laughs> always sort of the right grown now. Up. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Which is why I think we get into this problematic relationship as my therapist will, will tell you, and, you know, has been telling me for years that it's like, he's the grown up and I'm the child. And, and, you know, we, I think that's a very, common relationship, I think with, um, ADHDers and their partners, which is like, mm-hmm. you just do the grown up things and I do the fun, crazy, weird things and everybody's yes. happy. Yeah. Uh, and, exactly. and I will just be incredibly terrified and anxious about the fact that you might leave me someday. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll save that for my therapist, but, uh, <laughs> 
I, one thing I really like is green light, the app. We use that with my children. Mm -hmm. My kids are 14 and 10 and we've, um, it's a spending and budgeting app that like we put their allowance into this Mm -hmm. app and then they, you know, it's like they get $10 and then a mandatory $1 has to go to a to charity spending or charity saving. And then Mm -hmm. another mandatory $1 has to go into general savings. And then they get, you know, and then they have ideas where they can, you know, they have like a saving folder where it's like, I really want roller skates. So then they start to divert portions of that $10 into the roller skate fund every week. And it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, I just look at it and I'm like, oh my goodness, we are giving you such a fantastic service that I wish I had had when I was your age. Yes. Yeah. Cause I had no financial education growing up, like absolutely none. My mom, sorry, mom, Uh, was terrible with money when I was growing up and she's, you know, much better now, but yeah, so I did not have like a good example at all. Um, so I do love apps like that. The only thing I don't like about them is that they teach, um, they mostly teach you how to spend money. They teach you how to be a consumer instead of some, instead of focusing on that wealth building. But I do like that that one specifically has the different folders for things they can save towards. So that's, that part's yes. pretty cool. Cause with the, cause like you said a minute ago, like if you just want to save for travel, that's cool, but it's not enough and it's not definitive enough for you to put money away for it. Whereas like, if you would say, I want to go, I want to go to Japan and I want to go next year and here's how much money I need for it. This is how much I need to save every month to get to that goal. Yes, absolutely. But you're right. I think there's not enough attention paid on, um, wealth building and, mm-hmm. and, um, investing, which uh, is a whole right. other topic that I could probably have you back for another hour and talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I think it's something else we're terrible at. Uh, but I don't, I do want to be mindful of the time. So I really, oh my goodness. I so appreciate picking your brain about this. I love of the course. fact that you are doing what you're doing and, you know, I th- find you so, likable and approachable. And I was, as soon as I found you, I was like, she doesn't know this yet, but we're best friends. Perfect. I mean that in the least creepy way possible. No, it's totally fine. I am the same way. <laughs> I do really appreciate how, um, just how your presence on the app and, and how much you're obviously helping so many people you have over you know a quarter of a million followers at this point and growing and so congratulations to that and what a crazy journey it must be yes it's been a little bit bonkers um but yeah it's great and I, I just love it because I get so many messages from people saying how helpful the content is and one woman um messaged me actually she emailed me and she said um I had just had this like massive breakdown with my therapist over my finances. And 10 minutes later, I came across one of your posts and I'm just sobbing again with relief that there's somebody out there that will help me with my finances and won't judge me for the decisions that I've made in the past. That is another really big one is that sort Mm -hmm. of the shame of feeling like a perpetual child or just perpetually just like, I can't get it, you know, and why is this so easy for everybody else? And I just can't do, you know, it just makes no sense to me. And, and I think that's another thing. My mother was very good with money. And I think she just assumed I would, I would also understand it through osmosis or something. And, (laughs) and I was like, I needed to be like sat down and told things explicitly. These aren't things that just kind of, you know, naturally occur to me. And so I had a lot of anger over that too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it is something about like the, 
the the explicit the explicitness and also just the patience to like okay let's sit down yeah the the lack of judgment the lack of shame i think is so important too yeah. oh yeah absolutely okay well thanks again sam it was lovely to be chatting with you it was great to meet with you thanks so much for inviting me i appreciate it and there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.